G'day listeners and welcome to the Keeper League. My name is Hef and I'm joined by Kays. How you going mate? Very well Hef, happy 2019 to you. Thanks mate, same to you. It's uh, going to be a big year of footy, I'm excited. Too much cricket and tennis and all that on already. I'm, I've done too much bloody research, I just want the footy to start. I'm the same mate, you're uh, yeah preaching to the choir here. I've never been like this, I feel actually a bit yeah dirty saying <laughs> that, but uh, bring on the bloody footy. Now for those of you who haven't listened to us before, we are the Keeper League podcast and basically what we talk about is trying to find the diamonds in the rough. We're not here to talk about your Patrick Dangerfields. We might talk about Tom Mitchell tonight, but that's for a different <laughs> reason. But uh, look, we're here to talk about the, not your top players, the youngsters the sleepers in the drafts, the ones that come down very, very deep and that you won't get the light of day in most other press. So that's what we're all about. And uh, yeah, some big news to kick off this week, Hef. Yeah, well, as we know, Tom Mitchell went down with a broken leg uh, during the week. So I guess we better talk about who's going to receive the biggest bumper uh, in scoring with him out. Um, I personally think it's going to be an even spread between the midfielders to pick up the slack. Um, but I do reckon Chad Wingard owners uh, should be pretty happy. Uh, I think it basically makes him a permanent midfielder. Um, and probably a 95 average forward uh, for you guys. Uh, we could see uh, the Warpedo uh, manage to get a few more uh, midfield minutes, but I think there might be um, some uh, a chance that he'll spend some more time up forward if uh, Wingard's Wing playing in the middle. Um, but if that said, then he should retain his forward 20, uh, status for 2020, so that should be nice. Um, but, yeah, I reckon there should be a few bumps around them. Someone like Liam Shields we could pick up a bit of the slack. What do you think, guys? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Look, I thought you would have said Warpedo straight off the bat, saying <laughs> as you're a Warpedo owner. But, uh, look, I was just looking at the the old best 22 that the AFL have put out, you know, ahead of next year. And if you take out Tom Mitchell, you're probably looking at, you know, uh, Jaeger O'Meara, Tom Scully, if he's fit, he's going to jump into that role. But, yep. look, someone for me, like some from left field ones, like could Jarman Impey come in and pinch hit in the midfield and stuff like that? Or your Harry Morrison's down? Daniel Howe's one that is uh, is a good chance too. Look, I'm just reading Harry Morrison because he's on the list. But look, there, there's. I think it won't be one player who takes Mitchell's role. I think it's actually going to have to be like the whole team step up. So there might just be a little bit of a, a bump in a few people's averages. We're uh, yet to have a podcast that doesn't m- uh, mention Harry Morrison. So now we've kept the streak going. So that's uh, good work, guys. Can't wait to bring him <laughs> up next week. All right. Um, yeah, so Tom Mitchell, uh, I guess we need to watch Hawthorne pretty closely over the preseason, have a JLT and yep. see who's uh, going to step up and take those minutes. All right, we might jump into our league spotlight. So this week we uh, talked to our mate Brennan, who's a uh, who's a frequent contributor on our Twitter page, um, and he had a chat to us about his uh, Keeper League. So, yeah, take a listen to this. All right, I'm joined by Brennan from uh, Melbourne, who's with me today to talk about his Keeper League. How you going, mate? Hey, Hef. Yeah, good, mate. Good. How you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Um, all right, let us know a little bit about your league. Uh, what's the name of it? How long has it been running? All that kind of in detail? Uh, yeah, so we uh, we run a league called 10 Blokes, 1 Cup. Uh, last year was our first year, um, so we're about to kick off into the second year now. Um, obviously, 10 Blokes and uh, 1 Cup for the for the winner. Yeah, nice. So, how's it structured? So, uh, what are your squad sizes? How many do you keep? Um, all that sort of stuff. How many list changes do you make? Yeah, so we, we use uh, Supercoach oh, for yeah. our format. It um, uh, was... A bit difficult to set up and a bit contentious because uh, a few boys wanted to do ultimate footy, um, but we prefer the scoring system of Supercoach. Yeah, it's fair just enough. It's a bit clunky. Obviously, they don't have a great setup when you do keepers. So we have yeah, so we have ten blokes. Um, each one, each team having twenty two guys um, on their main squad, and then you've got eight uh, basically rookies or reserves. And what happens is if you get a guy that uh, gets injured. Um, and the AFL website posts that it's going to be at least three weeks, then you're entitled to drop him down to your rookies and a rookie can come back up. So you're seeing a, a bit of a long-term injury type of process. Otherwise, those guys that are outside the 22, you can't touch. Yeah, right. All right, so do you have a, um, do you have a premiership cup or a trophy? Do you, is it named after anyone or is there a funny story about it or what's, what goes on there? Uh, yeah, so we we dropped. I'm, I've been doing the, the redrafts now for about three or four years yep. and, and I'm probably known to go over the top with this type of stuff. <laughs> so we, we've got a really big trophy. It's probably about um, probably about a metre tall, um, run with the old big pillar set up, yep. football on it and a cup on top. And basically we'll run, last year, first year, we run the Shields. Um, so the, the I guess the flag winner, the premiership team on the, on the one's post in gold and then whoever came second, the granny um, on the other post as well. Yep. Um, 
to uh, yeah, and they'll run down as a, a bit of a perpetual each year. Yeah, cool. Uh, no funny story behind it at all. It's pretty much all glory. Yep. Um, yeah. Nice. Uh, do you have a punishment for your wooden spooners? Uh, we don't, but they get. We've got a group of guys that are pretty good at memes, um, yes. and it's just an absolute um, bloodbath, I guess, for that guy. So um, it's yeah, the group chat gets pretty lit, and yeah, you cop it verbally. So there'll be something for them probably when we hit drafts. I'll have something, um, some sort of cup. Uh, Kane Corns is pretty much our, our most hated guy <laughs> in AFL community. So be something around him and a cup and something that you stuck with for the year. So. Um, yeah, it's and I guess the way that we I guess the way we do our prizes and that as well, we we reward quite deep okay. down the, the list. And, and generally speaking, if you're coming last, you, you pretty much miss out on everything. So yep. um, there's that financial loss as well. <laughs> um, so they yeah they cop a fair bit definitely. Yeah right. So um, how do you decide your draft order? Do you need to do anything special for that, or just do the whoever finishes bottom gets number one? Or yeah, we've we've taken the linear approach, very similar to AFL. Yep. Um, we we I liked what you guys uh, have, have t- spoken about in other podcasts where you uh, almost have like a lottery for that, yeah. that bottom four to avoid the tanking. Yep. Tanking hasn't come up yet. I, I don't believe the number one pick in our t- in our draft is that powerful enough that you'd want to lose. Yep. Uh, particularly with having ten blokes as well, um, eight make the finals. So generally speaking, if you can just scrape through, you know, you've, you've got some sort of chance of going the whole way if you can get some sort of crazy run going. So there's a bit of motivation just to avoid that bottom two as is, I guess. And you were saying that um, if you finish in the bottom two, you miss out on the cash or something. So do you want to talk us through wh- how you do your prizes and things like that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not guaranteed, I guess, they miss out. But at last year, yeah, bottom four, I think, got nothing. So, yeah. Um, Basically, what we do is a $100 buy-in from each guy at the start of each season, um, and then we break up the kitty from there. So, top of my head, a bit rusty in the off-season, but no, good. Um, I think if you if you win, you get... So, if you win the flag, it's, a, I think, from top of my head, 300 bucks, and yep. then if you were to um, come second in the granny, then it's 150 yep. If you win the minor premiership, it's 150 If you win, if you came second um, at the end of the, the home and away, then it's 100 And then we run through, uh, so if you own the common medalist, that's 50 Brownlow, 50 Riding Star, 50 um, yeah, all the way down until there's, there's no money left, basically. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, so there's a bit of, like, I guess, motivation to invest in some of these kids. Yeah. Um, you know, if you see some of these guys running off at the start of the season, you want to pick up these these uh, um, kids just because they could be a $50 lottery ticket, basically. So Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it gives a bit more value to the trades as well. So, for example, uh, I had Ben Brown off the waivers. He was on that, that hot streak. Um, decent enough scorer, but he was leading the Coleman. So he had more value as a $50 than in the actual scoring that he'd bring to your team. So when I traded him out, I can't even remember who I, I think I traded him for Gary Ablett. Yep. So, um, from, and that would just lit up the group chat because that's basically, um, you know, is, am I trading, um, for Gary Ablett for my points? Am I selling that for $50? Blah, yep. blah, blah. And then, you know, Jack, Jack came out and dropped. 10 in that game and one, so it was basically useless to him anyway. So um, it's just a whole other layer as well that you can, you're not guaranteed that you're going to win the 50 bucks. We don't know the rise and fall with that type of stuff, but it just gives another layer of, of complexity, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. We're a bit more brutal. We only uh, reward the winner. We don't give anything else. No, you know, if you're not first, you're last kind of thing. But I oh, know, I reckon having that kind of cash running down is kind of a good incentive to keep people involved. Yeah, it just, it just keeps it, um, it's just, I guess, another layer of complexity. Like it's, it's I guess because there's eight guys that can make the finals as well. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, you, eight out of the ten are going to make the finals. So you kind of need relevancy for the home and away season. Yeah. So for the guys, particularly if you're going to push for that top four, you know, if, you've, if you're close enough to coming first or second, it just makes you create a bit more activity. You create some trades and that type of thing because you could be pushing for that $100 just for coming second at the home and away. Yeah, of course. Um, otherwise, you could you know, afford to drop a few games, hit hit grand final at maximum strength and, and just focus on that one round almost um, yep. to win everything. So it, it's pretty good. I'm a big fan of that, um, just mixing it up a bit as well. So, um, and like, for example, the guy who won um, probably well, definitely didn't have the best team. Um, he just had a great run in the last four weeks. Everything was time to perfection. He had Doherty, so traded him out to Lockie Neal. Um, 
So obviously just transferring points that were on the bench. Yep. Made a tilt for it, won it, and the guy who easily had the best team by miles um, choked and lost. And oh, no. That's a whole other week of memes that he caught as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's great. And I think roughly the money worked out pretty good. So the guy who won walked away with 300 or whatever, but the guy who came uh, second got like 250, 200. Yeah, okay. So he had a really good team. You know, it's kind of like it didn't all just go out the window, but he, he, you know, he misses the big cup, I guess, for the year. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. All right. So uh, one last thing. So um, as you probably know, Tom Mitchell got injured this week. So do you have a message of like uh, condolences to the person who owns him in your league or anything you want to say? Absolutely not, mate. Um, <laughs> sucked in. That was his first pick last year. He's been copying memes for the last 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, his whole team, that was his third youngest player. There's absolutely nothing sweeter than um, <laughs> that guy entering next year with without Tom Mitchell. So right. Tom Mitchell himself, obviously very tragic. But yeah, of course. Every yeah. super coach owner, every other super coach owner, particularly a keeper, absolutely sucked in. That's just beautiful, All right. poetic. All right, mate. Cool. Thanks, Brendan, for joining us. And uh, yeah, good luck this year with your keeper league. Yeah, legend. Thanks, mate, and uh, appreciate all the work you guys have been doing as well. It's unbelievable content. Um, ah, no worries, mate. I'm going to have to share you guys to the league so they can <laughs> listen to the podcast, but then they tap into all the resources now. So It's Catch-22, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but I appreciate you guys are absolutely killing it and look forward to this year with you. No worries, mate. Thanks. Cheers, Seth. Thanks to Brennan for that, and uh, I love that there's absolutely no sympathy for the Tom Mitchell owner in that league. Yeah, it's a brutal word out there. Uh, <laughs> it's no pretty one seems similar to, to ours, sorry for anyone. Yeah. No one <laughs> absolutely cares for Steve in our league either, so it's good to see that that's, uh, that's shared all around Australia. So, yeah, bad luck, Tom, but uh, yeah, everyone else is going to have to get over it pretty quickly. All right, we're going to get stuck into our analysis uh, for this week. So, what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to be looking at uh, players club by club. Uh, yeah, so tonight we're going to be looking at Adelaide, Brisbane and Carlton. So, trying to find a do- the diamonds in the rough for the, uh, those teams to uh, help you guys out this year. So, all right, let's get into it. Amazingly, uh, your mate Kane Corns reckons that song will be played a few times this season. Oh, I, I don't disagree with him, but I, I do hope he's wrong. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised. But anyway, look, we're getting into the first of the Crows players. Have you looked at uh, the first one, Brody Smith? Yeah, so Brody Smith, he doesn't quite qualify for our, um, I guess, our lower type players. But I'm thinking that he might not have been drafted uh, last season. So um, I thought I'd, I'd, we'd just throw him in at the top just to make sure. So if he's still available in your league, he's probably someone I'd be looking to look up. He might have been missed through to his knee injury last year so I'm thinking he might take a, a few kick-ins this year um, so you know hopefully that's Point City next season so and if he is taken he might be a trade target um, that said he's never ma- he's never averaged over 80 um, and that was when the Crows were absolutely flying and I'm fine and made the grand final that year um, so if that's his ceiling uh, I probably wouldn't give too much away for him but if he's available in your pool he's worth a look if he's available as we know backs don't go very deep either so yeah. you know if you're getting a, an 80 average back for you know your first or second round pick, depending on where you, where he fits in your league. Yeah, he's going to be great value. And he's going to be that guy. He's playing every week as long as he's fit, and usually he is. It was just that knee injury that that cut him down that that last year, and he's just going to he's consistent. So um, yeah, for me, he's a no brainer. If he's available, I'd be I'd yep. be going after him. Get him. The next player is Riley Knight, who I'm looking at. So look, he's a funny one. He um. He could be that kind of 75 average player if he gets a decent run at the Crows. Look, he played three games in the twos last year uh, in this SANFL and he had a 32 touch, 115 point game there. So it does show that he's probably that class above SANFL level. He just needs that opportunity and potentially a bit of that confidence to get into to the AFL mould. For me, I reckon he's in their best 22, no dramas, because he's that hard edge. He tackles, he does, you know, that that one percenter kind of stuff that the crows love and i think if he's around for my draft i'd be looking at him as that as that you know potentially last forward mid spot you know that consistent bench player that you want who's just gives depth to your team yeah yeah i'm not 100 sure he is uh best 22 he'd be very close if he's not Mm. um someone like darcy fogarty might jump ahead of him or something like that uh might be uh yeah might keep him out the side but he's very close um for me he's probably the guy that i I probably wouldn't draft him uh in my league um 75 you know it is a good like a decent um you know defender four uh sorry forward four or forward five um 
But for me, I'd personally rather take a punt on someone else because um, I'm probably confident I can get a 75 average somewhere down yeah. uh, deeper as well. So I've seen enough of him to know he's probably not going to run through that midfield um, and then he's going to be one of those players who's probably stuck up forward a bit and not going to be the most consistent scorer for you. So for me, he's a pass, but obviously Kays has uh, probably done a bit more research into him. So um, yeah, if he's one for you, then yeah, go for it. He's one of those ones that depends on where you're in your league. If you need someone who's you know a consistent scorer, he's yeah. one to look at. But if you're looking for a massive breakout, potentially not. So... Yep. That's Riley Knight. Uh, Luke Brown is the next one, Hef. Yeah, so a bit of a left field one for me, but uh, hear it out. Um, Luke Brown took the most kick-ins for Adelaide. So he took 93 out of 240 kick-ins uh, when the article came out about the kick-in uh, specialist for each club. So that's uh, 38%. So just under 40% of the kick-ins for the Crows. Solid. Um that's it. I mentioned earlier that uh, Brody Smith might come back and take a few of those, but uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. But yeah, he's not the um, he's not the type of player who plays on from kick ends either. So um, with the changes to the rules, he's going to see a bump in scoring if he continues to take them. Uh, now I did some maths here, which isn't my strong point, but uh, if we were to add three points in for those kick ins and that boosts his average to uh, seventy six. Uh, so not setting the world on fire, but if you um, could pick up a seventy five average defender uh, in one of the last few rounds of your draft, you'd probably be happy with that so i guess he's one to look out for he's one of those actual proper sleepers where people aren't looking at him because they have penciled him in to be that particular you know dull defender role yep but if he is taking those kick-ins uh this season he's going to be one that yeah as you said there's going to be a natural bump as long as there's those uh extra points for kick-ins yep and yeah he's going to be one that you can probably get really late and be a really really nice bench option for you yeah definitely the next one is Darcy Fogarty. So, I uh, have touched on him before, potentially keeping out uh, my boy Riley Knight. But uh, look, Darcy Fogarty is a big boy. <laughs> so, he's 193, ke- 193 centimetres and 94 kegs. So, that was last season before as an 18-year-old. So, he's a serious size. Um, look, he had a 52 average in the twos last year in nine games. And his personal best was a 14-touch, seven-mark, three-tackle, three-goal, 89-point game, which is not too bad for a first-year player. Um, look, I think he's going to need a lot, lot more of this to be actually draftable. And I think his body's going to need another year. He's just that massive ball midfielder in waiting. But I think yeah. he's just got to get his, his body right and get, in, you get that fitness, you know, and probably strip down some of that puppy fat too. So, there's potentially a spot for him now that, uh, J- um, what's his name? McLovin's gone, Mitchie McLovin. <laughs> but um, look, because he's that hybrid forward type. So, yeah. I like that he can kind of come in and play a similar role if he needs to. But then potentially once he gets fitter and gets his body right, he can kind of move into the midfield. So um, personally, I probably want another season or another pre-season under his belt before I really want some big scores from him. Yeah. Um, but I think potentially he's a stash if you can get him late and just see if he blooms towards yeah. the end of this year. Just with the size of him, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually comes in and makes an impact this year just because he's like, you know, a lot of the players take their third year to actually mature and develop and, you know, get up to speed with the AFL game. But he's actually built for it. I guess the question would be the tank whether he can run like those stints in the midfield or um will he be stuck up forward for the season and you know and being a young fella he might get dominated by the uh, big monsters uh and the key defense posts i'm not sure yeah but, that, uh, yeah that's, that's a fair call i suppose just looking at that 52 average in the SNFL, you probably wanted a bit more if you were going to go in yeah. confidently this year yeah but look i think he's one that's going to definitely get there it's just you know whether it's this year but i think oh, it's probably more likely big wraps on him after. coming in so yeah i have no doubt he's probably gonna be a star but yeah. um yeah i think we might just have to wait a little bit longer yeah all right next player is probably me uh probably my most hated player in the comp uh so this is uh taylor walker i'm talking about but if you can score me some fantasy points i reckon i'll be able to uh, turn a blind eye so as we all know this guy is pretty much a lot uh from the set shots anywhere inside 50 um so and we also know i guess that mitch mcgovern has uh, left the crows and he won't be getting in Texas way anymore. And we also know that uh, Josh Jenkins, he hates leaving the goal square, so he's not going to be getting in the way of Tex either. <laughs> he wouldn't know what's outside the goal square. <laughs> nah, he's, he's loving the new there. rules. He's got to stand in there to start the game. It's beautiful. <laughs> All right, so Tex should be the Crows' main focal point uh, going forward. So, um, And with the uh, changes to the hands in the back rule relaxed a little bit and the addition of zones, he won't have blokes sitting in front of him from the centre bounce. Yeah. Um, so if there's a quick break from the midfield, and I'd back the Crows uh, midfield with Sauce in there taking the taps and getting Brad Crouch back this year, I'd reckon they'd win a few clearances. So if the ball can get into him quickly, I don't reckon there's going to be much standing in his way. And, you know, like I said, if he gets that set shot from inside 50, that's six points right there, well, nine points right there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, could 
we see a serviceable fantasy score case? I actually like the new rules for Tex because yeah. it means that he's going to actually have to play deeper a lot more because he's going to have to start in the arc or the, the 50 or whatever it is. Correct. So, if there's any of those fast breaks and, you know, if it goes back, there's probably more chance of the Crows or people in general having f- forwards deeper for most of the game too, not that, you know, up and down running like we see a lot, which yep. probably doesn't suit Tex at all. Yeah. The other good thing for go- Tex going into next year, he wasn't really fit at all last year. Like, yeah. there was obviously something wrong with exactly. him. Exactly. And, and that showed in his his basically gameplay yeah. and then also his fantasy score. And the games he missed. Like, Correct, yeah. yeah. So, I think next year or this year, I should say, he's, uh, he's a big chance to get back to some of those scores he was scoring probably a couple of years ago and actually making him a, a capable forward. Yeah, one of those, um, I guess, like mid-range type picks you'd take. Um, yeah, depending on how deep your leg is, I guess. But yeah. yeah, I'd be looking at him. Look, those guys like Taylor Walker, Jack Rewalt, Josh Kennedy, those yeah. key forwards who kick a lot of goals, who take a lot of marks. You know, yes, you're probably not going to keep them year to year because, you know, you can get him in the draft. But man, look, they, they can average anywhere from, you know, 70 to 85. 590 and they're, and they're great for that week-to-week player. Well, I think Jack Rewalt won me a final pretty much off his own boot, kicking yep. 10 goals. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if you can get a bloke like that who has the uh, ability to do that in a game and kind of give you 150, 160 now and then, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely one to look at. For sure. Right, the next player for us is uh, Jordan Gallucci. So, he's heading into his magical third-year breakout. Uh, he averaged 55 last year in the actual Crows team and he actually played nine of the last games of the season and capped it off with a full goal 17 possession 104 point game versus Colton so he's got that first ton out the way which is awesome and while that was a bit of an outlier with nine of his 16 games resulting in scores below 50 for me he's actually one that wouldn't surprise if he took that next big step because for me he's kind of cemented his spot in the best 22 as that small forward uh, half forward flanker kind of role and I think that they've got a lot of faith in him and and if you look into his three games in the twos last year. He had games of 87 and 75. And what I liked a lot was he had six tackles in uh, both of those games. So I think that with that bit of the base, he's kind of got into the team. He's locked himself in. He's probably pretty, probably feeling pretty good. Add on to that, he averaged 97 in the TSC Cup. It shows that he can get the footy. He's a good tackler, got good goal sense. And I reckon he's that one that can take the next step this year. Heffer? Yeah, Galooch. Um, look, I think he needs to run through the midfield to be a decent fantasy scorer. But, you know, that doesn't really matter. We're playing keeper leagues if that doesn't happen next season. I reckon he's the type he would actually get in there eventually yep. um, with a few of the Crows midfielders getting on or, you know, Bryce Gibbs and Rory Sloan getting on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reckon he will probably make the step eventually. So, yeah, if he's available, take him, stash him, keep him for future, you know. And, and he should be handy this year. Yep. Not going to be a superstar, I don't think. But, um, yeah, in the future, definitely one to look out for. Yeah, late one for sure. And the lucky last for the Crows is uh, Tommy Duday. So... He was actually quite a surprise packet last year. You know, yeah. he, had a, he had a little raps actually for his ability to play footy, but was, his uh, fantasy scoring was a bit unknown. He actually had eight of his 20 scores above 80 last year, which included two tons. So that's pretty good going for a, you know, key position back. Yeah, definitely. And with the Crows back line stronger with Brody Smith coming back in playing that whole season, I reckon that just allows Duday to come in and intercept, you know, beautifully and just take a lot of those marks that he's actually really really good at and for me he wouldn't be a keeper but he's one of those guys that you go look if i can get a you know an 80 every couple of weeks from a from a defender for your d5 who you can get mid late in a draft yeah bloody oath yeah and he's one um if you're a patreon subscriber and you looked at the breakout track he's actually averaging ahead of uh defenders at the same point of his career the top defenders at the same point in his career so um yeah a lot of potential there um not the most fantasy friendly game um yeah like we we've mentioned that he sometimes has to play a lockdown role or play a bit taller that hinders his scoring but when he's actually you know allowed to do what he does best those inset set marking and all that sort of stuff um he's actually a decent scorer so yeah another one that you could have him take lower down in your draft and uh, have a bit of confidence in uh, to get you a, a decent uh, emergency cover or something like that. Yeah, big time. Alright, next we're talking about the uh, Brisbane Lions, the maroon, blue and gold, and hopefully we can find a bit of fantasy gold within this team. Uh, a lot of people are uh, expecting big things from Brisbane this season, a bit of a rise up the ladder, so hopefully the uh, fantasy scoring turns out to be the same way. Alright, Case, who are you looking at uh, first up? First up, I've got Jared Berry, so another one similar to Brody Smith, where we probably don't expect him to be in too many uh, drafts, but look, if he's sitting around, he is one I would snap up in a heartbeat. Um, he averaged 77 in his second season with four tons which is really good going for your second year um i'm a big fan of this kid in the lions are too they gave him you know the keys to the midfield last year yep um with some good good players in their beams etc so look they've got plenty of 
time for him and I do too. Look, he uh, was pushing 20 touches a game and five tackles, which I like. You know, the, the midfielders that can get the ball and tackle. I'm a big fan. Uh, I don't think there needs to be too much more said about Joe Berry. He's uh, he's going to be a star. Yeah, he's on a lot of people's radars. And like you said, uh, probably unlikely that he hasn't been picked up, especially if you play a league that has waivers or something like that. Um, but, you know, if he was a bit of an unknown last season and he didn't get snapped up, uh, go ahead and do that this season. Next up, Hef, you've got Daniel Rich. Yeah, so um, he should be available in some leagues after a disappointing couple of seasons. So a lot of people will be looking at Daniel Rich and going, no, nah, enough of you, mate, uh, back to the waiver pool. Um, he's averaged above 80 in three seasons throughout his career with a high of 85 in 2012. Um, to me, Rich is kind of like the barometer uh, for Brisbane. So when Brisbane plays well, um, he scores well, I guess. So if you look back to last year, it had a couple of tons in a few 90s, but most of those bigger scores came in. Uh, came in games where Brisbane either won or were competitive for four quarters. Um, so, yeah, they use him a lot to transition the ball from defence to attack. So I guess that makes sense. If Brisbane are actually attacking well, um, he's scoring a little bit better. Uh, Brisbane are a side that we uh, we think are going to be on the rise. Maybe not top eight, but someone is going to be kind of close to knocking down the door. Um, so is he if, he's, if he is available, do you reckon he's someone you consider, Case? I would. Um, I actually think Brisbane are going to go quite well this year. Yep. Not in the top eight style, but they're going to actually be competitive which is good they've started got a really good young list and yeah and the culture's building there yeah and, it's yeah. actually there and they play good footy I like watching yeah, Brisbane play same. footy um is kick-ins a good one for Daniel Rich? Does he take a few kick-ins too? Yeah, I think he does. Um, I think uh, Witherden's taken over uh, mm-hmm. since he's come in. But before that, um, yeah, Rich was uh, the main kick-out taker. But I think Witherden's kind of stolen that. But that's always good for another couple, you know, six, nine points if he takes a few every yeah, yeah. game. So, um, yeah, look, as you said, he's one of those ones that his name has been a bit stained, I suppose. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, you know, one of those guys that can slide and potentially uh, get you a few good points. I probably wouldn't be picking him up if I was, you know, rebuilding. But if you're looking at having a crack at the flag, uh, he might be someone that you can kind of just slot in and, you know, he's probably not going to score you much more than 80 average, but, you know, that's handy if you're actually contending. So. That's what you need. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up is Harris Andrews. So, uh, I've got a bit of man love for Harris Andrews. I love the way he plays the game. He's a fantastic defender. You seem to talk about him a lot. I do. And <laughs> no one no one rates him with me, but, you know, I'm on the Harris Andrews bandwagon and get on if you want. But, uh, look, he's a fantastic intercept marker. Uh, Tom Duday like, um, really good at that. Um, aspect of his game and I think with the natural improvement in the Lions mids uh, he'll just get more chance for intercept marks because you know obviously the more pressure they can put in in the midfield the more sloppy kicks come into um, their defence so he improves his his average by 12.5 points per season Um, he actually had 10 spoils per game so if anyone plays uh, super coach he's a bloody lock for you back there Um, also Marcus Adams coming into the team probably frees him up to play even more freer which is fantastic for, for people who are keen on Andrews now He's not a player probably ever keep either. He's that uh, Stephen May, Tom Duday style. Yep. Um, but look, we've spoken about this a few times tonight. If you're actually pushing for a flag, you need those guys who are consistent scorers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can bank in for just, you know, your 70s, 80s each week. Yep. And they are gold, especially as a defender. You want your shittest player to be getting about 75, you know, yep. at least. So, yeah, definitely one that you can look out for that. Now, Cam Rayner, the next cap off the rank. All right, he only averaged uh, 58.6, so he should see a bit of natural improvement uh, in his second year. Uh, but even as a junior, he wasn't a huge accumulator. He's just a very impactful player when he does get the ball. Um Rayner's been compared to Dusty Martin a lot, and he does play kind of similar, but he gets less the ball. Uh, so Dusty Martin was averaging 89 by the end of his uh, second year, so I don't really see him getting to those heights. So I don't know when those comparisons are going to stop and he's going to start making his own name. Uh, but yeah, unless he gets out of the four line and spends a lot more time uh, up in the midfield, um, I don't see him lighting up the uh, lighting up the scores anytime soon. Um, probably a good player to trade out, actually, um, to a rebuilding team to get an older gun. There's probably people that kind of, you know, form a number one draft pick uh, you know, he's definitely going to be a good fantasy scorer because he was number one. Um, might be thinking about, uh, you know, trying to trading him in. So he might be a good trade bait coming in. What do you think, Case? Yeah, look, the kid can play. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he's a good footballer. Yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes there's those blokes who are bloody good footballers, but just doesn't always add up fantasy-wise. But look, I would need to see another year of Cam Rainer before I wanted to, you know, lock him in and um, call him the next big thing. Um, look, as a forward, he's, he's probably going to be pretty good for you, uh, scoring those bench, you know, uh, last forward position points but um, look definitely a watch for me I'm, I'm not 100% sold as probably you aren't either but uh, yeah. yeah we'll see this is the this is the year that you want to see see him do something pretty good maybe knock out a few tons and uh, yeah. put his stamp on the game 
I'll have to wait and see. All right, Kays, who's next? Ben Keys. Now, he was a name that uh, was pegged for big things for quite a while, but he's really been forgotten up at Brisbane. He only played two games last year, which was his third season. He had a 71 and 49 in those games, and I drafted him quite highly last year, thinking third-year breakout, uh, a few more opportunities for him. It didn't actually come because... Yeah, he actually got best on ground in the NEFL Grand Final 2017, yeah. um, but just couldn't crack the Lions team last year, which is um, a bit of a concern for me. But yeah. one, I'm actually more than happy to, to throw a late draft pick on again, um, especially if he does throw uh, show something in the JLT. He averaged 108 points a game and 26 touches in the NEFL, which is pretty good going. Yeah. And uh, more pleasingly for me, he averaged five tackles and almost a goal. So for me, he's that mid who can tackle and actually kick some snags. Um, they're gold fantasy-wise. He's obviously got talent. The Lions, you know, potentially if he wasn't, he only played two games last year, they could have easily cut him and gone, nah, we don't need you. But they've kept him around. And I think, look, if maybe it was his body getting it right or maybe this wasn't adapting to the new game plan up there. But I reckon he's got potential and I'd love to throw a late round draft pick at him. Yeah, just my concern is, does he get into that Brisbane midfield? It's pretty, it's, it's strange to say, but it's actually kind of strong. It's quite isn't good, it? isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah, so that's my main concern. Yeah. Um, so whether he can crack that side or not uh, remains to be seen. But yeah, one to look out for from yep. there. Now, the next man, Beast Mo, oh. Reese Matheson. Thank God I don't have to talk about him. That was my New Year's resolution <laughs> on the uh, OTLS pod. So, Hef, talk to me about Beast Mo. All right. Um, so, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you would have heard us talk about uh, Matheson in great depth in the last mini episode we put out. Uh, but to summarise what was said, uh, he gets stuck up forward. When he does get a run in the middle, he plays a very inside game, doesn't score all that well um, because he doesn't tackle. So, he misses those four pointers that the other inside midfielders get. Um, he also spends a lot of time on the needle, so it's hard to get AFL fantasy points when you're playing in the twos. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we expect guys who play in the needle. What do you reckon, Kays? They should be averaging 150, 160 a game. <laughs> if <laughs> yeah, minimum. But at yeah. least 100. I'll take 100. 100. Yeah, well, Beast Mode, or I don't know if he's earned that nickname, but he can barely break 80 in the twos. Uh, he didn't turn up once in the last two seasons. Um, and that said, uh, oh, yeah, but sorry, that said, um, according to our breakout tracker, he's actually tracking um, with the top 10 forwards in his, until his last uh, couple of games where he's kind of trending downwards below the top 10 forwards in the competition. So um, you can take you know, what you want from those statistics. Um, they can fool you at times. Um, but, yeah, I think we've given enough chances to Reese Matheson, though, mm-hmm. um, over the years. So I'm happy to avoid him uh, this season. And uh, enough with the beast mode nonsense, mate. Uh, you got to earn a nickname like that. So no, I love yeah. it. Keep the nickname. Just start <laughs> playing some good footy. Uh, um, for me, yeah. See you later, Reese Matheson. <laughs> would you take – you got the last pick of the draft, Reese yeah. Matheson and Ben Keyser there. Who would you take? Neither. You just play one shot? <laughs> nah, I'd, draw, I'd look for someone else. I'm um, no. sure there's players left. <laughs> that doesn't help the question, Hef. I was trying to set it up. Uh, Would I'll, you take okay. good needful form over I'd shitty take, AFL form? I'd take keys, daylight. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Me too, for anyone that's <laughs> listening. Um, and the last player for the Lions is Zach Bailey. Um, a youngster, he played his first year last year. Uh, had a really eye-catching game in his last game against the Eagles. Had 20 touches and 83 points. Um, look, he played six games last year. Uh, so, sorry, six games in the twos last year for a 74 average and 18 touches per game. Um for me, he's one to monitor. I think he's uh, got some talent. He played that last game and played pretty darn well against the, the Eagles there. Yeah. Um, 74 average in your, in the NEFL for your first year. I'm happy to, to pay that. He's probably averaging more than beast mode, really. So, um, <laughs> he's probably chucking ahead of, ahead of him, I should say. But, uh, look, he's one to monitor for me. There's a bit of talk around him on, you know, some forums and that kind of thing. But I'm one that's he'd, – he'd be a stash. I'm looking for him for yeah. next year. I, I don't think this year's his year, especially how uh, – strong I suppose you could say the Brisbane team's looking so um, I'd take him late and hope he can kind of uh, come good towards the end of the year but you're not going to be too upset if he goes earlier I wouldn't be upset if he goes but if I got him late I'd you know uh, happy to to keep and watch all right cool they're the uh, players we've decided to look at for Brisbane so uh, yeah hopefully you find some uh, gems there And the final team of this pod is the Carlton Blues. So we're going to have a look at some of their players this year and uh, probably the second most talked about team this year with uh, Doherty going down. So we're going to have to find a few people to replace him. But uh, 
first player we'll talk about is my boy, Charlie Kerno, Mini Cuda. He's uh, coming into his fourth season. He's a key forward and uh, I think he's going to make a huge impact on the competition this year. He takes a fantastic mark. He's athletic and probably shouldn't be available in too many keeper legs, to be honest. But uh, if he is, get on board. Um, Look, he only increased his average by three points last year, but a 74 averaging forward with his talent. I think he's a massive chance to break out and push like a 90 kind of average. Um, 10 of his 20 games, he scored 80 or more last year. And I think the more experience he gets, the higher his floor will actually become. So one thing I was thinking about him a lot uh, the last few days is the introduction of Mitch McGovern to the team. Yeah. I think that just makes him become that um, that floater forward, not the key forward that he's been playing the last couple of years. So okay. if you've got Harry McKay and um, McLovin up there, it just kind of allows... Um, Kerno to become that Westoff, Tom Lynch, that right. connector, I reckon. Yep. And because he's so athletic and big and he can potentially pinch hit in the midfield too. So I think he's got that potentially fantasy-friendly role this year that he that's going to uh, come about with Mc, McGovern's uh, introduction to the tum- team. Yeah, so Charlie Kerno was one of your uh, pickups last season, which was good by you because I wouldn't have gone near him. Actually, I think it was on your rookie list, but yeah, I wouldn't have um, I wouldn't have gone near him just because I don't like young key forwards, basically. Um, so good pickup, but then yeah, I I've just got this I reckon just bias against young key forwards. I suppose he's getting a bit older now, but um, like you said, like he you, you know players like um, McG- uh, McGovern might help him out a bit, but I personally think he'd probably struggle. Just someone who's actually going to take a bit of pill off him. Uh, the ball. Might be redirected a bit more through McLovin. So for me, I'm probably expecting a little regression. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I guess each to their own, and we'll have to wait and see what's going on. We might have to have but, a wager on this. <laughs> we might have to. Yeah. I just love the way he plays. He's an absolute gun. I love yeah. watching him play footy, and I just think it eventually it will turn into a to a big uh, fantasy scorer. That's yeah. just my opinion. Oh, McGovern just worries me more than it, it excites me. I think that's the only okay. thing. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. The next one is Zach Fisher. Hef, tell us about Zach. All right, so this guy started 2018 nicely and he can score consistently, but he tapered, a bit off, uh, tapered off a bit towards the end and then got injured, obviously. Um, should improve his average. He went from 45 to 70 uh, in his averaging uh, in his second season. So, um, yeah, I like seeing players that have that uh, large bump in their average because, um, yeah, you know, it gets the trend going upwards, I guess, and, uh, you know, hopefully it continues that way. Um, enters his third year, so, yeah, could improve, uh, but I'm not expecting anything more than you know 75 80 um, unless he can move into the midfield more permanently um, kind of break that forward role I guess um, but I can't really see that happening with the likes of uh, Walsh Stocker and then Kennedy being fit uh, I reckon it's going to be hard for him to break through that um, so it might be tough to get a full-time gig in there um, I do expect like I do expect improvement um, but he's not going to be one of those huge Thursday uh, third year breakouts um, in my opinion what do you think about Zach Fisher case yeah he was an original rookie for me a couple of years ago and I did delist him I just think with him, he's that slight kind of a play. And, and I kind yeah. of regretted a bit last year because he was getting a bit more of the ball and he looks really good. But he's almost like a, a Chad Wingard style player where they don't need a lot of touches to be quite effective yeah. in a game of footy. Which doesn't equate to good fantasy score. Correct, yeah. And I think, look, he probably sits around that 75-80 average, you know, for his career, I think. Yeah. Which, is a, which is a handy, you know, uh, player as we know. But Unless he does get into that midfield eventually. And I just think yeah. he's so far down the rung. Yeah, but yeah, he's, he's and. The thing that probably hurts him more than anything is the fact that he's actually very talented. Yeah, exactly. So he's like one of those players that clubs allow them not to have to go into the midfield and do all that stuff yeah. because they know that they don't need the, the quantity from him because they're going to get the quality. So One of the um, blokes getting on the end of the play more so than, you know, starting it. Correct. Yeah. And hopefully he kicks a few more goals and gets a bit closer to, um, you know, closer to the goals there and, um, you know, get some points that way. But look, for me, he's probably that 75-80. Um, you know, I could be proven wrong. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a classy player. I love watching him play too. All right, uh, who are we up to next? We have Paddy Dow. Okay. So we have spoken about him uh, a couple of times already, uh, both Patreon and, and non-Patreon pods, but uh, he probably comes into a few calculations with forward status this year. Look, yeah. he only averaged 55 in his first season, and for me, I've said it before, but he looked quite small out there, and I think he just needed a big preseason under his belt. Uh, be very interested to see what he comes back looking like uh, this preseason or in this JLT and see how he's, he's looking body-wise. But in a day, he played 20 games in his first year, which is fantastic. Um, had three scores of 70-plus and a 96 PB against Geelong, which is quite good uh, considering they were quite a good team last year. Um, but the one thing is that is a positive. He only played 73% of game time. So um, with a, with another preseason, hopefully his body gets bigger. Um, you know, he can he can be that scorer. Um, I think he scored quite well 
in uh, in his underage numbers. Wasn't you know bananas yeah. big, but quite quite solid. Yep. Um, and yeah, look, he's probably a risk for me in the second year. Uh, he'd be one I'd be looking to take mid to late in the hope he'll bloom um, towards the end of the year and potentially become a keeper at the end of the year. But uh, he's just with Colton's midfield, it's kind of hard to see everyone might fit. Um, there's a lot of guys around the same same category if you're talking your Fishers, Stockers, Walshers, yeah, Kennedys. So exactly. uh, a bit of a, a sit and wait for me. But look, if, you, if you're keen on him, I've got no issues with anyone keeping him or, or taking him early if you think he's going to uh, take that next step. Yeah, with Paddy Dale, I think you've summed him up pretty well. Um, yeah, echo a lot of those sentiments. I do like him probably ahead of someone like Fisher as well. Probably mm-hmm. prefer him if we're going to compare those two. But yeah, yep. I think you've summed it up pretty well. So we'll move on to the next bloke who is uh, Matt Kennedy. So um, this guy is, I find, really hard to judge because we haven't seen heaps of him. Um, he's been in the system three years, average 40 in his first year, then 68, went backwards to 64 last season, uh, but he turned up for the first time in fantasy, so I'm sure that was a special moment for him. <laughs> Patted himself on the <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah, I'm sure he really cares, players really care about that stuff <laughs> while they're out there. I bet they do. Uh, yeah, they might. <laughs> um, uh, he's a player, um, we're going to have to monitor pretty closely in JLT, I think, um, because he's going to be a risky keeper, especially for those mid-range league. If you're only keeping, you know, between twen- uh, 12 and 15, um, He's going to be right on that borderline. So if you are keeping someone like him, you're probably letting go of someone who's going to be scoring more than him or averaging more than him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. The other thing is as well, Carlton now have a lot of players to rotate through the middle um, with some good young players coming through uh, through the draft um, and I guess Setterfield with the uh, through the trade. But Kennedy's probably more of a I guess more of a pure mid than the other guys. So I reckon he's probably further up the up the order when he does get fit and start playing some decent footy. Um, so I'm not going to stress too much about those other players coming in. It's more so just getting a bit of fitness, a bit of confidence, and getting time in the midfield. What do you get, reckon? Yeah, getting the body right. Look, yeah. I think yeah, he really impressed me towards the end of his first year at GWS and yep. then he got traded to Carlton and you know nothing's really worked out since he's moved across yep. um, but he did show a bit when he was at GWS and I, I quite liked how he played and he was one that I, I would have liked to keep you know back in the day um, would I keep him now potentially but as you said he's that risky proposition where yeah. there's you know you, you kind of want to hope that the gamble pays off if he's available in draft I'd be going after him for sure because yeah. uh, I think he's got class he can score and um, yeah, he's probably just because of his body size, and he's he's going into his um, you know four years. It's uh, his fourth year. Sorry, it's he's probably one that's ahead ahead of the other guys. Yeah, and we just got to hope he gets his body right and he can score. Monitor in the JLT for Matt Kennedy. Big monitor. Uh, the next one is Lockie O'Brien. So uh, there's been a bit of talk about him uh, slotting into a. Sam Doherty style halfback flank, but for me, he's probably one that could be a candidate for the second year Blues. He played uh, 18 games in his first year and had five scores in the 70s. And uh, was Bron that I had on my radar because he was a um, back center last year, but he's actually lost his defender DPP, which really hurts his his draftability as far as I'm concerned. Look, he could be an outside chance to get that Sam Doherty role of halfback flank, but there's, you know, probably Nick Newman's there. There's a few other people who can uh, retain that spot, like Daisy, but. He's probably a candidate, as we've spoken about a couple of times tonight, where you know you're looking at one late in the draft, and hopefully that he does something uh, a bit later on and, and potentially keeps. So that kind of Zach Bailey esque uh, player, yeah. where you know you've kind of got him penciled in. Is this year his year? And second year, I'm probably thinking not. But you know, if you if you don't if you miss him, you're not going to be upset. But if you get him late, you're probably going to be happy. Yeah, like O'Brien for me, late to rookie list. Uh, wouldn't you know stress if someone does take him earlier. But if he's available, I reckon he's worth the punt. Yep. Hef, your boy, Will Setterfield, next. All right, we've talked about Will Setterfield previously, um, but we'll, we'll go through a few things again. Uh, he dominated the Nefal in 2017 um, when he was fit. Uh, he scored the second most uh, champion data points uh, for the mid-forwards in that competition. Uh, elite ball user, and uh, we think he's going to slot straight into Carlton's best 22. Uh, like the rest of Carlton's new mids, there's going to be competition for spots, uh, but I think he's probably, you know, around the head of the pack. Um, the ability to play forward helps a lot too, um, and then Setterfield being a deep PP in fantasy is also a bit of a bonus. Uh, good use of the ball, loves to tackle, um, get some four-pointers coming your way. Um, if you've got him, keep him. If you don't, draft him uh, because I think he's going to be a decent fantasy player. Oh, all the signs are pointing to him being a gun. Yep. And yeah, as you said, the, the DPP really helps someone like him and yeah. um, pushes him up, up up the ranks because of the, the flexibility there. So, Case, how's this for a comparison? You've got uh, Setterfield on your list. You've got Kennedy on your list. And you can only keep one. Who do you take? 
Good question. Um, I would lean towards Kennedy, yeah, okay. purely because he's actually played more AFL than yep. Setterfield has. There's, yep. you know, he's still there's just as much risk in both of those players for me. Yeah. And I think um, while Kennedy may not have set the world on fire, he yep. he's shown that he is AFL level. Setterfield, obviously. Everything's looking like he's going to be, but he actually hasn't got there yet. Yeah, right now, I, I probably couldn't pick between the two of them, so I'd have to kind of monitor both of them, see how they go. Yep. All right, who's next? SPS, Sam Petreski-Seaton. So, he's heading into his big third-year breakout. Another one we talked about in the Patreon pod last week. Uh, Average 70 last year, and that's uh, pretty good. And he's actually scored very consistently. It's just the big scores that have eluded him. He only had four scores over 80, but on the flip side, he had... Only three scores under sixty, so his uh, his floor is very much in place there, and and I think that's great because it means he he's not really going to get any lower than that. It's just going to keep going up. Yep. Um, he also had about four tackles a game, which is fantastic. And looking at his under eighteen stats from a few years ago, he actually can get a fair bit of ball. So I'm just thinking with natural improvement, uh, he's definitely a lock for their best twenty two. And if he can start to hit the scoreboard as well. Uh, he's one that I would be, uh, yeah, loving to have on my side. Yeah, the thing that stands out for me is that floor, I guess. Um, you know, if your lowest score is going to be 60, then, you know, what's your highest going to be? Yep. Um, so, I don't mind look at that. And, yeah, with natural progression, that floor will rise, obviously. Um, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a consistent, you know, 70 average, but then could it push way higher than that as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I guess he was 70 last year, but, you know, um, that's kind of, you know, a, a, a roundabout the point of him and I can only see improvement from there. So, yep. yeah. I think we need like a sound effect for third year breakout like whoosh. yeah something something like that yeah. we'll, we'll look into it yes i love this <laughs> um and the last player is mitch mcgovern so uh we touched on him before um heifer what do you think about mitchy mcgovern all right he's uh one who's a bit behind schedule after a uh, injury setback a few weeks ago uh, i think he had a bit of a problem with his back uh but i wouldn't be surprised um to see him you know a bit of a spike if he does play um he should take a few more marks and uh oh, sorry he should take more marks and kick a few more goals um every inside 50 is basically a goal with this guy um he's got a decent set shot he was uh building a decent fantasy portfolio at the crows um for a guy who averaged close to you know seven marks a game um he'll uh, he'll draw some interest from a few people um i don't think he's going to be a top 20 forward but uh he's a player who can give you a side a bit of depth and uh one that can slot in and out of uh games uh you know depending on the blues matchup i think that's a big one i think um you know there's those players especially your key forwards you, you can kind of bring them in and out depending if they're playing a, a weaker team a weaker back line something like that and yep. and we know how good a how good a jerks mitch mcgovern's got he just yeah. plucks them out of nowhere and he's going to be a big asset to the blues and yeah he's a good set shot at goal and you know hopefully he gets a bit more a bit more action down there in, in the blues forward line this year and yeah can take it to the next level and i think on the injury front as well i think he actually started training light duties again last Okay. week so um yeah i don't think it's going to be as bad as they first feared so, so he should be back on track for uh for round one yeah i, I will see I, i'm not 100 sure on that but uh, yeah i did see he was on light duty so you know he's better than being you know hospitalized <laughs> All right, so just a note about the uh, the, um, the analysis of each team that we've just wrapped up. Um, we haven't included any of the rookies because we recently did a whole episode on the uh, best draftees um, in a Patreon mini episode. Um, so if you're looking for analysis of the draftees, you can get all those on our Patreon page. But uh, speaking of our Patreon page, um, I guess if you enjoy the podcast and appreciate the work we do, uh, then why not consider becoming a patron of the podcast? Our patrons are the reason um, we're able to do what we do, basically, um, and all our patrons get rewarded with uh, exclusive bonus uh, episodes, um, hard to find stats and a whole lot more. Uh, just recently, we released our breakout tracker, which allows you to compare um, any player with the top players in the competition at the same point in their careers. Um, it also lets you compare uh, recent form and career averages with uh, similar players to help you decide who makes the cut and who doesn't or who you draft and who you don't. Um, you also get your name read on the podcast. So uh, I guess thank you to the uh, following subscribers. Thank you to Griffin Blick. Ben, God knows what your last name is, Zibelbergstein. Zibber, I think you want it to be called. Ben Zibber. Zibber. Yep. He, uh, I love that. Zibber. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, Tom Tobin, Michael Guthrie, Victor Dimitri, Darcy White, Phil B, Booger Eater. That's an interesting name there. Uh, you think with a surname like Eater, you shouldn't call your uh, call your kid Booger. But, uh, <laughs> there would be a lot of other preferable first names, I would have thought. Uh, Stuart Churton and Sam Yui. 
All right. Thanks to those people. Um, yeah, like we said, you're kind of like the lifeblood of this podcast. We can't commit the amount of time that we are committing without your help. Um, so I guess, yeah, thanks for that. Um, if you want to gain access to all of the things we mentioned before, though, you can join for as little as a dollar a month. Um, so if you're keen to sign up and be a patron of the podcast, uh, head to patreon.com uh, slash pod. All right, on to the listener tweets. So each week we send out a, uh, a tweet um, asking for your questions. Um, so here we go. We're going to get stuck right in. So at uh, Henry Katz asked, is Taylor Walker worth a late draft consideration this year? The answer is yes. Uh, yes. We talked about that earlier. All right, so we'll move on from that one. Um, another question from at South Ost. So will Lewis Taylor regress this year? Um, I don't really know if he can regress any further. He nah. just is that that genuine forward. So he's going to be around that seventy to seventy five mark, uh, and that's his spot. He he's a genuine forward. Like he's not really a, a midfielder as such. He's a yeah. he's a really good half forward flanker. Um, he yeah, and with the with the depth that Brid, Brisbane have now got in their midfield, it's just not really a, a spot that he's going to come and come and go. Yeah, yeah. Um, he should never have won the Rising Star when he was him against <laughs> the Bont. That's just a side note. But uh, look, I just don't think he regresses. He's just going to be a consistent, you know, uh, seventy odd scorer. Yeah, he plays that midfield. Uh, that sorry, that forward role at Brisbane really well, and I think that's just his his game. Yeah, I don't know if Lewis Taylor regress. He probably improved, but not by much. Yeah, you know, five points. Yep, anything like that. All right. Uh, from at we got big cocks. Uh, Quickfire, Future Gun, or List Clogger. So, who are the names there, Kays? We have Griffin Logue, James Aish, Caleb Marchbank, Corey Ellis, Josh Shackey, Jaden Laverde, and Kobe March. Hef? Uh, for me, March is probably the only realistic one there for me. Um, averaged 100 in the VFL last season. Uh, he played three games in the AFL after some hot uh, VFL, uh, VFL form uh, early on. One game he got 14 tackles and scored 149 fantasy points. So That's a bloody lot of tackles. Yeah, he uh, wins inside and outside ball case. So we like players that uh, can do that here at the Keeper League. So. 14 tackles. You wouldn't have had that in your whole footy career, I don't reckon. Oh, come on, mate. I'm, uh, I was a pretty good tackler. Didn't get too many kicks. I think that was more the, uh, yeah. the issue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, he's also got a high kick-to-handball ratio, which is another thing we love around here. Yep. Um, he's an awesome fantasy prospect for me. Uh, if he can get a game, uh, he should be a goer. So it might take a few more years for him to really break out. Um, but I think he's one to stash uh, old Kobe much. And I'm lucky enough to have him on my rookie list. So it's a free swing for me this year. It's handy. It's just a pity that the Bombers midfield is quite strong. Yeah, so that's the other thing. Uh, that's your only issue. Um, any others you like there, Hef? Oh, I did like Laverday or Laverde, how do you say his name, uh, as a junior. But, you know, four years on, he hasn't really shown much at AFL level. Um, I can't really see him breaking into the midfield either. So, I don't know. I've let him go and I reckon other people should as well. Um, for me, I reckon he's actually best 22. I, okay. I really like the game he plays at the Dons. Uh, obviously, I watch them a lot uh, being an Essendon man. But I think his lack of midfield time is going to hurt his scoring potential. Yep. Uh, he just ends up being that half forward flanker, which, uh, you know, scores that... That's 60, 70, potentially 80, but um, he probably needs to break it in the midfield, which is going to be tough yeah. uh, to take to the next level. One that I actually quite like the look of is Corey Ellis. Okay. Um, he's got a big chance of growth. So he's obviously gone up to the Gold Coast and he's a defender this year, which is fantastic um, in Ultimate and yeah, Fantasy. Okay. So he averaged 85 in the VFL last year uh, with an average of 22 touches, four and a half tackles, which is good going. He had six tons in that lot, which is uh, really good. So I think as a as a late or mid to late draft pick, hmm. um, I'd be looking at as Corey Ellis as potentially someone who can, can break out. And if I had to pick someone else... Uh, Shaki is tough as a key position forward, but he's someone I'm monitoring, monitoring because I think he's actually got talent. Um, you know, you just have to be a bit slower with the the key positions and and go from there. But uh, they're probably the ones that that make most sense to us, I think. All right, moving on, we've got a question from Phil B. Uh, thoughts of any of the following? So he's got Jordan Gallucci, Eric Hipwood, Zach Bailey, and Zach. Fisher. So for me, Hipwood, uh, nothing, no key position forwards. I don't go near him. Um, I actually don't mind Hitwood. Um, he's only had one ton in his 52 games, which is a bit of an issue, and he did kick a bag of six that day. And uh, look, last year he did only have 50, uh, five scores of 70-plus. So 
He's a tough one. I like him as a player. Um, I, f- I don't think he has as many tricks as someone like Charlie Kerno does. So, okay, yeah. you know, they're both the same age. Um, Shaki's the same age. There's a lot of those they guys. They are similar type players, but I get what you mean. But, yeah, yeah. Kerno's got the bigger body and potentially yeah. the actual ability to go into the midfield and get up the ground. Whereas Hipwood's a, a genuine forward for the Lions. Yeah. Um, look, I think he's going to keep improving as the Lions do as well, but he's one I'd only draft late. Yeah. Um, we've obviously talked about Gallucci yep. and uh, Bailey awesome. and Fisher. So, yeah. um, we've covered them. Look, I think they're all handy enough players. Um, yeah, probably you need to wait a bit on Bailey. Um, yeah, I don't mind Bailey. Um, average 27 disposals in the San Flander 18s a couple of years ago. Um, average 77 at NEFL level. So, it's low for NEFL, but, you know, I'm willing to cut the, uh, the you know, the early players some slack. Um, 69 at AFL level. So, he'll take some time. So, he's not a player I'd be giving up uh, anything decent for, but he's worth a late pick um, if you've got one to spare, I reckon. Yeah, he's a stash. Yeah. Next question is from at Mitchell Swan. Uh, his question is, thoughts on how Brad Crouch will go this year? Can he average over 100? Would you take a punt on Charlie Cameron late in a draft? And does Mitchie McGovern have any fantasy value at the Blues? All right, Brad Crouch, he will go well. Um, and yes, I think he can average over 100, 100 providing he doesn't get injured. He's yep. done 100 before. Yep. Um, yeah, I reckon he can uh, do it. And he's fit this year, according yeah, to he's all training sources. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just training the house down. Charlie Cameron, track. what are your thoughts? Um, no, uh, I would not take a punt on him late in the draft. I just think you'd probably be able to find something that's, you know, uh, has a bit more upside, I guess. So small forwards never sit well with me. Um, the genuine small forwards, that is. That's mm-hmm. the, the guys who don't really run through the midfield that much. Yep. Um, the best in the game don't really score that well in fantasy, and I don't think he's really any exception. Yep. Um, three years of mid-60s is telling, uh, telling for me. Yeah. And obviously, we talked a bit about Mitchie McGovern. You, you're keen on him. I'm not as keen on him. Yeah, so potentially. Um, he's a great set shot, and I think he'll take more contested marks, uh, especially with the changes to the in the back row, hands in the back row. Um, so I reckon there might be a slight bump. Injury is you know, becoming a concern for him, I guess, the last mm. uh, couple of years and now with his back injury. Yep. Um, yeah, but I've heard he's on light duties, obviously, so um, hopefully he's good to go. Generally, I still cl- I steer clear of key forwards, but if you don't have much else, like you know, I say that, but then I took Jack Rewalt pretty early last year. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. more willing to take a punt on a key forward as opposed to a small forward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yep. I'm with you. Yep. yep. So if that helps you to add at all. Yeah, um, depends what you're expecting of McGovern, I think. Fourth forward, fifth forward. Yep. Yeah, yep. no problems there. Yep. Um, the next question is from at TWR412. Do you expect Nick Newman to be in many pools or kept across the board? No. That's the answer to that question. Um, and if he is, grab him early in your draft. Yeah. He's got a potential to really score. He could. He scored a couple of years ago and he was getting continuous games at uh, Sydney. He can play and he can really rack them up. All right. Last question of the uh, podcast for this week. Uh, it's from at AJS Hawker Draft. Um, starting a keeper league this season, what round is a good one to pick up Titch and Doherty? What a tough question. <laughs> really tough question. Um so I've had a bit of a think about this. Now, if I was starting a, a proper keeper leg draft, it's bloody risky to take. Um, it's, it's just a really hard conundrum. It's a really, it's a massive conundrum basically. Yeah. So I'm thinking about how good Mitchell is. He's only 25, so he's got a lot of years ahead of him. If I was starting a keeper leg draft, I would take him first round, but I wouldn't take him inside the first six picks. Okay. So this is yeah. my thinking here. So you've got Zach Merritt. Jackson McRae, Brody Grundy, Patrick Cripps, Clayton Oliver, and Josh Kelly. Yep. You would take all of them ahead of Tom Mitchell just be purely because they're playing, they're guns, they're young. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Right? You can then probably take him on the back end because he's uh, the next kind of six for me are Andrew Gaff, Steve Coniglio, Matt Crouch, Adam Trelaw, Paddy Dangerfield, and Lockie Whitfield. So for those guys, they're probably my next six if I was doing a keeper league draft because they're young, yep. they're proven scorers. You could- Obviously, substitute him in there. Yep. Your issue is that if you take him, if you've got one of the first six picks, you're not getting another pick into in a standard twelve keeper, a twelve team league. You won't get another pick between nineteen and twenty six. Yep. So you're not going to have no a, captain option. You're not going to have a really good, a really consistent captain op, captain option. Yep. And if you do, you're going to get like a Gary Ablett, Bryce Gibbs, Dane Beams, Max Gorn, yeah. side bottom, Justin Westoff, and they're Ooh. you know purely based on probably numbers from last year. Yeah. And they're they're too old and they're not a legitimate keeper prospect. If you're taking Tom Mitchell first round, would you agree that you're basically forfeiting next season? You are not contending. You are not unless you take him late 
late first round yeah. because you know you're going to get the next yeah, player in a yeah. couple of points time. So yeah. you can't – I don't think you can afford to take Tom Mitchell uh, in the first six picks. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Potentially seven, eight, nine, but you could definitely take him 10, 11, 12 and get a, a captain on the flip when the, the draft comes back to you. Yeah, it's such a hard one because I'm not sure if he's, for me, whether it'd be someone I'd avoid completely, just not bother, you know, try to find the next you know, next best thing or, you know, in a year's time when he does come back, you know, who might overtake him at that mm. point. Um, yeah, something to look at. For me, probably, you know, someone like Josh Kelly might be that person who I'd yep. probably take over yeah. um, in that time. But, you know, because they're young as well, someone you take a, take early. Yeah. I don't know, really hard question. So, cheers for that one. But we've got to talk about Doc now as well. So, what do you think, Case? I'm really, really worried about Sam Doherty going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, two knees is just bad news. Yep. Um, he's about 25, 26. So, he's still quite young. The issue is that people rate him quite highly because of those couple of good years he had. Yeah. yeah. But, man, it's going to be hard coming back from two knees. I'd, I wouldn't touch him. Personally, yeah, I wouldn't take the risk, and if you do, I wouldn't be taking him before oh, round five, six, seven. It's just such yeah. a risky proposition for me from from now. Five to ten for me, I reckon, would be yeah. anywhere in those rounds you could take him. But I think I've, I've someone posted on Twitter or someone wrote somewhere that they had a list of the players that had done ACLs and how they've come back, and they've you know they're really the same player, really. Yeah. So it's you know pretty unlikely that they get back. That said, this is Sam Doherty. It's just not anyone. Yeah, um, yeah, he's one of the, the best fantasy players going around. So I guess we'll have to wait and see how it actually turns out. But for me, like you know, I've been offered him in trades the last few weeks. You know, for some of my older players because I got a few of those at the moment. So mm-hmm. someone who's willing to have a tilt at the flag wants to trade me Sam Doherty, and even then, I'm still not sure. I think I can get better value for some of those players because yep. um, I'm just not 100 percent sure he's going to be coming back as the same Sam Doherty. Yeah. It's a really unfortunate situation for him, but yeah. and it's a real conundrum for, for keeper league coaches out there because, uh, yeah, you just don't know what to do with him. But I wouldn't be uh, taking him too early because, yeah, there's just too many risks. Yeah, five to ten, I guess, would be our answer for that one. Yep. Okay, cool. So that wraps up uh, another show. So from now on, we're doing weekly episodes. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how we go with that. But, um, yeah, so next week we'll be doing a few more uh, team analyses and then, then we'll keep going from there. Yeah, Collingwood, Essendon, Fremantle next week. So uh, tune in then. Once again, thanks for listening. It's uh, very, very, very much appreciated and have a bloody good week. Thanks, guys. See you later.